right, my friends. Well, welcome back to Trekology. Thank you for joining us yet again. Here we are. Uh, as always, uh, we are your hosts. My name is Jeff, and with me always is Greg. Hello, Greg. Hello, Jeff. How are you doing today? <laughs> Good. Tried to change it up a little bit because, uh, as we have commented before, every time I say, how are you, Greg, you say you're doing well. You've never said, oh, Lord, or anything like that. So, I, I feel like recently I've been saying how tired I've been. Maybe, but you always start at the very least with, I'm doing great, Jeff. How are you? Like, that's, 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 that's our intro, you know? We've got it down to a science, so. So this time we just went with a straight hello, and I, I feel good about it. I feel good. Yeah. Yes. Is that how you're doing? Very cordial. Doing? Are you doing good? Uh, well, uh, see, now I tend to be, and I feel like when people ask me, except for you, well, maybe you just haven't learned your lesson, but when people ask me, how are you doing? They usually regret it because I always try and be as honest as possible. At the very least, I hesitate. At the very least, I go, well, you know, I'm doing okay. Like that might be the best. And that usually gets them the opportunity to like, am I actually interested or was that just being cordial? So, cause right, if I go right. like, I'm okay. That for me, that's an open door where it's just kind of like, Oh yeah, what's wrong? Or, Oh yeah. Like what, uh, what's up or blah, blah, blah. As opposed to like, that's great. And then they move on with it, which, you know, happens quite frequently. So, um, but, uh, I'll go with, okay. Cause that, and that is one thing that I'm trying to, uh, take uh ownership of or, or whatever or be more like is just the kind of putting things into perspective and just the gratitude of just like you know the amazing life that we all lead um not only just that because attitude of gratitude yeah or or uh, i mean i don't know that always feels a little uh forced i guess but to, instead to just kind of be like yeah ha having that perspective of um not not necessarily it could be worse, because then I feel like that turns into the whole, like, as long as it's not as bad as that guy right there, like, that's not healthy <laughs> for my interpersonal uh, relationships. But, uh, and I mean, from, from my own spiritual part of it, there was, uh, we were singing a, a song about God's faithfulness the other day, and I was kind of like, so what does it mean that God has always been faithful? Like, does that mean... I'm not dead yet because of his faithfulness? Does that mean I've always had a good life because of his faithfulness? Because I don't know if that feels true. Like, what does his his faithfulness look like? And I guess I came back to, there's a, a line in Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life uh, where he says, if all God ever did for us was die on the cross, that would still be more than we could possibly deserve. Uh, and that, that kind of has helped me frame things to to kind of be like as rough as times might feel like there's still just that um not not so much the light at the end of the tunnel but just like we can still be grateful for um you know just the 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 world and everything that god has uh has created and allowed us to uh to be in so mm. that's where i'm that's where i'm at yeah just kind of resting in that for yeah. this, this time or, you know yeah well, it doesn't feel like resting. It feels like wrestling. Wrestling yeah. with that. Okay. But um Yeah. That's very that's very Christian too. Right? It should be. It should be. And that's... It, it shouldn't be something that we discourage. Right. Exactly. Sometimes you gotta wrestle that sometimes you gotta wrestle God. Yep. 
Yep, that's that's literally the definition of being the nation of Israel. Israel literally means they who wrestle with God. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's us. So, how are you? I'm doing all right. So we we we've, we've been real busy in the mornings or all day mm-hmm. because of uh, you know babies. Yep. But uh, my wife has uh, has uh, provided time for me. To start going to daily mass again, which is oh. something that I really enjoy. So, that's been a treat, and <laughs> I've been, uh, I've been, I, 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 I would not use the word wrestling for myself right now. Hmm. I've been, I've been resting in yeah. that. Now, not falling, to, falling asleep at church, but, you know, <laughs> right? But a different, a different kind able, of rest. Yeah, being able to take some time out of my very busy life to just uh yeah be with be with god and be with the body of christ you know Hmm. that's that's very uh enriching for me excellent okay what time is mass daily mass 8 a.m at the at our normal parish uh there's one at 7 30 at a closer one so i think i might i might go there uh my schedule's been off a little bit because my mother-in-law, who usually takes my son to work, or to work, yeah. <laughs> but my mother-in-law, who usually takes my son to work in the coal mines, there, yes. Uh, she, she's sick, probably with the black lung or something, because she also Lord. works in the coal mine. <laughs> and uh, she, no, I, she, she hasn't been taking my son to school because she's sick. Yeah. So uh, I've been taking him, but uh, once she goes back to taking him, I think I'll. I'll uh, go to the closer parish so that I could get back to back to baby care mm. soon. There you go. There you go. So yeah, that's been nice. That's cool. been nice. That's cool. Uh, filling. Is I'm curious. So like, is are are different masses like how different is a mass at different parishes? Like, is the experience radically different or? slightly different because you obviously have the the liturgy that you know everybody goes through right 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 no i mean you can the the homily is going to be different of course but i so the for the most part you can jump into any mass anywhere in the country most places in the world and uh yeah it's just like your 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 local parish Mm -hmm. um there are a couple places or a couple uh we call them rites where um they do things a little bit differently hmm. um but for the most part like even internationally when i've when i've traveled and it, usually i'll try to find an english mass mm-hmm. uh, wherever i am and um even if i have to travel a little bit to get there from where i am but you know i mean what's the well, there's no downside there um but yeah they're I, it's all pretty much the same pretty yeah. much the same maybe slight differences yeah um, well but yeah and then because like you said the homily is not the most important part of the that's that's just an aspect so different homilies right. are not uh as opposed to like a uh a protestant service where the sermon is pretty much the main thing uh yeah, and sermons are all going to be different um, and even just like, well, I mean, I guess like the songs, because you guys still do. Does does mass usually include uh, some form of singing? Yeah, yeah, we we do a number of songs, but they're and not all the those, same, right? No, those will so vary that will from vary parish to parish. But I mean, we 
at least in the United States, we all have the same book, you know. Oh, <laughs> you guys just do it out of song. the book. So there's a few hundred songs in there. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Pretty much picking them out. I mean, I, I'm sure at the like the youth mass, they do things. Uh, you know, they they might pick some different songs out or do some of your Protestant songs or <laughs> what have you. So uh, what's that big publishing house for um, worship songs? I don't um, know. I forget the name of it. But do some songs out of that catalog. There but, you go. Um, yeah, for the most part, it, it, it's pretty much the same. It's pretty much the There's same. Songs, songs of Christian protest. Like we, yeah. we, we usually sing in Protestant churches, we're not going to take it, and you know all sorts of these sort of songs. <laughs> we're just we're still sticking it to the Catholics. Yeah, yeah. I assume so. Yes, yes. That's kind of what it seems like it should be, right? Less so, less so, because, yeah, well, and not only that, obviously the Protestant church has become the establishment, so right. the, the protests are the ones protesting the protesters, so, you know, it's it's a it's a very, uh, uh, is it a vicious circle? It's just a confusing circle at the very least. The divisive circle. Well, Wait, that's... divisive that's circle? That doesn't really make sense. Divisive <laughs> circle, yeah, that's true. But nonetheless, my friend, rather than getting into the geopolitical uh, aspects of uh, Christian faith, we're here to talk about Star Trek, which has nothing to do with the Christian faith, <laughs> or at least <laughs> intentionally so. Uh, so, uh, any any uh, Star Trek uh, endeavors over this last, or or how is how have you been interacting with our Star Trek universe this last couple of weeks? So, I read this book wayward by chuck wendig last week okay and it's a sequel to another book called uh wanderers and it's this uh post-apocalyptic kind of situation okay and in wayward there is a uh an artificial intelligence that that is kind of taken over people and one of the characters says that it's that the people who uh, fall under the AI's sway hmm. are like cyborgs and that resistance is useless. Nice. So <laughs> I don't know if he was just like misquoting something <laughs> <laughs> more purposeful. Right. <laughs> There's a whole lot of Star Wars references in okay. this Okay, okay. But uh, this was just like a random half half reference to star trek that's funny <laughs> yeah how about you have you been uh, watching more of enterprise uh just uh we've only been able to watch the uh um like the episode that we're going to talk about tonight uh or today and you know we've been trying to get our way through voyager but that uh uh hasn't uh happened as much we um although i take it back because since the last time we did podcast we did watch one of Judy's favorite episodes, which is, uh, it's like episode seven or eight or whatever of the first season where they find this wormhole, uh, that can only beam like a, a, like a message or they can like communicate through the wormhole and they find out on the other side is like Romulan space. And so they contact this like Romulan, uh, but we find out that it's 10 years in the past. Uh, so they, you know, can't, use it or change the future or something like that. And I, and, and Judy always said that was one of the episodes that really stood out in her memory. And, uh, you know, it brings up a lot of these, the aspects that I think make the, sh- like is the premise of the show is that there's this, you know, 
temptation or not temptation, but like um, uh, almost getting home. Like they're so close, and then you know something's in the way, and then so there's the 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 hope of returning home versus the you know the the disappointment, and then even the debate of like like who cares? Like let's just do it. Like at least we'd be home. Um, but you know, we wouldn't be able to see anyone for 10 years and, uh, you know, change in the future and blah, blah, blah. And they even talk about at one point, um, that the, the Romulan says I can contact Starfleet and tell them in 10 years not to send your mission. And, and I thought that was another interesting one where they, they were kind of like, Oh no, we've helped so many people. And I'm like, so many people, you've been here for like two weeks, but <laughs> nonetheless, I'd say much larger is this, you're still altering the future and, uh, and, and you create the whole, what do they call it? The hangman's com- uh, um, paradox or whatever, where, so if he goes and tells them not to do it, then they're not going to be in the Delta quadrant to tell him to tell them not to do it. And so it's like, it never, you know, it never starts. There's never a, a start point, and um, yeah. So that 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 was a that was a good one. Yeah, I haven't really been able to to dive into too many, well, any more other than that. Um, we today, my friends, are diving one last time into Enterprise. Uh, jumping forward, we did two episodes from season one. Now we jump all the way to season three, episode ten, I believe. Uh, and we're talking about sim. How do you say it? Similitude. That's how I would say it. Similitude. Sim- similitude. There's an extra I similitude. in there that confuses me. Similitude. Um, similitude. Right. There we go. They never Perfect. say this word in the entire episode, so I, I don't. I don't know like what it's exactly supposed to mean, but um, <laughs> but nonetheless, if you're unfamiliar with this episode, it's the one where. Uh, there's an accident and Trip is critically injured, uh, and Phlox comes up with the solution of essentially cloning him. He has this larva that apparently, if you inject uh, DNA into it, then it turns into an exact clone of it. So, uh, so he clones Trip in order to harvest some of his brain tissue, but the clone's only going to live for 15 days. Uh, and so then, when it's time to actually harvest it. It has become this sentient being, and uh, the the debate of what do we do with this? Do we kill this sentient being to save this other one? Uh, actually, it, I would say it's less of a debate. I think we're supposed to debate it. I don't know that they debate it terribly much on the show. Um, no, other than Sim himself is kind of like, I don't want you to kill me. But everybody else is kind of like, well, yeah, yeah. So anyway... Uh, uh, I've mentioned before, it feels like we've talked about this episode several times on this previous podcast. Um, and I, why do you think that is? Is it be, why, why does this one come up so often, you think, in our, in our uh, thought process? I think that this episode shows a real clear ethical dilemma. Yeah. And, you know, while I was watching it last night, I was thinking, man, this episode, it's, I, I'm so uncomfortable watching this episode sometimes. Really? It's too much sometimes. It's too like, ooh, I, it's, I, I feel, I feel kind of gross after watching it. Mm. It's very difficult. It's a difficult episode. It's a difficult episode to get your, um, like your, your moral and ethical arms around. Hmm. 
So I'm curious, like, what... Because you did not feel that way about the previous one we did, about Dear Doctor, and about the moral dilemma of what do we do about these two species. Um, Why do you think? That felt a lot more clear to me. Really? Yeah. I I, I was pretty... I think last last episode, I was... There was there was very little wrestling which with what I thought was right. Hmm. Interesting. So this is more. It's 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 less clear about which is the right decision. Yeah, I think it's less clear. Okay. I think it's less clear because my my first instinct in seeing this episode and watching flocks inject that you know that blood into that white squishy yeah jelly bean or whatever <laughs> it, it's it's like okay that's not a person you know right. that that is at best an animal and like i think we're all okay with taking a pig heart and putting it in somebody you know if we have to hmm. even if it kills the pig so why why would we not be okay with killing this white squishy ball you know right even if it does look like a human later on but then you you, as you're watching the episode and sim comes into himself you know and and has all these memories that that are trips memories but he he has them inside of himself and then you throw in that that last act twist Oh, it's like a double twist that he's Sim is not going to survive the operation after all. Right. And there is a possible lifetime lengthening serum that he can be given to make him live a normal life if it works. Right. But it's that double twist at the end just to make it more difficult hmm. about what to do. And it, it's, it's very difficult to make the uh, make the call about what is right and wrong in this situation. Right. Uh, it's 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 hard to watch. This yeah. episode for me is hard to watch hmm. because I feel like there's no good answer here. Interesting. Where I guess so because because that was my one thought is the similarities to me at least between this. Uh, and the previous episode that we watched and, and just like the moral dilemma. And also the, the interesting thing is that for me, Phlox has a very different perspective on this situation than he did on the previous one. And granted, it's been two years and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and so he's developed, I'm sure as a character, uh, but previously, and I'm, I'm wondering like for you and maybe for the viewer in general, um, the, the moral dilemma or maybe lack thereof from the previous episode, Dear Doctor, was that one species was dying and we have the possibility of saving them. So essentially nobody dies. In that scenario, you help the whatever we called them, uh, uh, the, the, the guys, the species that were dying, you help them. The only downside is this other species can we're interrupting their natural um evolutionary process they are not going to be able to fully develop but they still survive whereas in this scenario they 
somebody's got to die. Either Trip is going to die because he is not going to get this procedure, or Sim is going to die. Like it's a, it's a, it's a almost like a lesser of two evils decision, as opposed to again, it feels like for you, the interrupting the evolutionary process is not a, as significant an evil as allowing a species to die. So it, that seemed a little bit more black and white, if if, if I understood your perspective. You know, interestingly, I didn't really link it to the last episode that we talked about. Mm. But now that you bring that up, that is interesting that in both cases, you have this this situation where you have one species that can help another. I think that I think you're right that last episode, it was about both people surviving Hmm. you know and one of them gets help it would be like if if uh trip and sim could both survive and trip gets the help that he needs right from sim and nobody you know it doesn't really it doesn't really matter except that maybe trip doesn't uh, or that sim doesn't um live out his life as as the only trip and that sure. may be regulated to someplace else. Right. It you almost know, turns into a, that. it turns into a Thomas Riker scenario at some point. Exactly. That yeah. was exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Turns into a Thomas Riker situation. And that's, um, that's, I think that's really different from, uh, from Sim being, sacrificing himself or, being forcibly forcibly sacrificed right to save trip which is rough you know it's hard to i i don't think that you can force somebody to sacrifice themselves right that takes away the sacrifice part that just turns it into something approaching murder yeah i mean i don't know i really wonder because for me, I guess, when, once you say that, like, what pops into my head is going back, like, I, I think we talked about, uh, I don't know if it was last season or whatever, when I was really into the miniseries Chernobyl. Uh, and it was talking about in that miniseries, I mean, you know, based on real life, uh, there was the moment where they needed to have divers essentially go under the reactor to drain the water or we were talking about like all of Europe being uninhabitable. Millions of people would be dying or suffering or whatever unless mm-hmm. these three people go and do this thing which would almost certainly kill them. So they're they're basically asking three people to sacrifice themselves. Um and and it's it's kind of a curious like again it's it's they didn't, at least in the, you know, the documentary, they didn't, or not documentary, the, the miniseries, they didn't force anybody, you will sacrifice yourself, which you're right, that's a little bit different. Um, there was moments like that in other parts of Chernobyl. Uh, but, um, I don't know, creating, there is a necessity for this to happen, and it's going to require sacrifice. Like that, I don't know that that scenario um, removes the sacrifice itself. Because that's essentially that's what ended up happening. I mean, don't get me wrong. Archer did kind of say like, "If you don't do this, I will kill you." Sort of like he basically right. said that, but he didn't do that. He didn't actually force Sim to go into the the med bay. 
Sim did it of his own free will. So I would say that he he definitely got strong-armed into it, but he did choose to sacrifice himself. So He did. It w- it was a a a decision that he made. Right. You know, individually, you know, or not individually. It's a decision that he made uh from himself. He yeah. was I do think that they they were really putting the pressure on him. Sure. Well, and, and- and- I don't doubt. Do you doubt that Archer would have, you know, marched him in at the with a phaser at his back? Well, into the, the med bay. I I don't have any doubt that Archer would have done that. Uh, I have some doubt, but I feel like the and that's the big thing about this entire episode. The entire like the caveat is that it happens in season three. It happens while they're in the expanse, whatever the heck that means, and that they are. Not only, well, and and that was the thing I was trying to remember about season three is that it's not just that they're seeking revenge for uh, the weapon that killed seven million uh, uh, people on Earth. It's that they believe if we don't do something, something worse will happen. So it's like everything, every action in season three has that cloud over it. So like, Flocks making the decision to clone Trip in the first place is partially informed by that. Because we have to do this, there is no, like, well, we failed in our mission. Like, we cannot fail in our mission. So the same thing, like, Archer, and I was even thinking about it, for one reason or another, and again, I'm... The jury is still out for me a little bit on Scott Scott Bakula, if he's doing a great job or, or not. Um... But this whole episode, he has a very stony demeanor. And, yeah. and he even has a little bit of that kind of like five o'clock shadow going, which makes him seem a little bit yeah, more he's, sinister. He's kind of a mess. Yes. And, and, and a big part of that is because he's going for, we have a mission that we cannot fail. And I will do anything, like even outside of the bounds of morality, this is the morality that trumps it all, is that we have to succeed. And he even says it literally, and I need my chief engineer, period. End yeah. of story. And yeah. and I'm willing to do whatever. Now, if it if if the rubber actually like if the rubber met the road and he literally had to, like, would he literally like kill Sim to get this from him? I don't know. I don't know that we actually got pushed to that point. That's going down to like that pale moonlight sort of a scenario. Would he actually, you know, commit murder in order to save this mission um i don't know that he ever actually got pushed that far but that was the that was the wrestling point i think yeah well what do you think do you think um what's what's the morality of this do you think that it it would have been okay if they had murdered sim to save trip i mean i don't know like okay is a tough like I don't know. It, it, it's it's a tough um, uh, metric, I guess, where it's like, you know, universally okay. I mean, like we've t- and we've talked about a bunch of different ways to view morality from a utilitarian perspective. Absolutely, and I mean, and th- th- that was the other part too about this episode that they kind of doubled down on. Although then Sim essentially fixed the problem is they said, if we don't get the ship out of this cloud thing, we're all going to die. So it really doesn't matter, like, to say, like, well, we got to save Sim. Well, he's going to be dead anyway, because we're all going to be dead. 
But then they do solve that problem. So that kind of changes a little bit. Um, so, for, but even even aside from that, from a, you know, the goods of the many outweigh the good, or the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, then absolutely you do. Because the sacrifice of one person, trip is a more valuable component of this starship than sim is um they never proved that sim was i mean even though he has the memories and stuff like that he didn't i don't think we were ever supposed to say that he could perfectly replace trip um, yeah especially because he certainly might die in the next couple of days right. um and uh, or at least continue to age and become less and less uh you know viable as a chief engineer or whatever um from like a personal like all death is wrong perspective like i don't know it, the, the biggest thing does seem to be for me the the um like free will aspect i guess for me i feel like as weird as it sounds if we're going to really make a like a moral judgment the honest is kind of on sim is that realizing more than likely i only have a couple of days to live and in that time, I can save this life. There is a, I would say, from my understanding, there is a minuscule, miraculous chance that I might not die with this treatment. But it is such a minuscule percentage, like that. It's it's basically you know uh, 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 a hail mary. Going back to our uh, uh, spiritual discussions. Uh, basically like a you know <laughs> i i don't think that's uh where that term comes from actually oh absolutely it is you know hail mary for all grace that's where we get it and then that's because football players would say a hail mary before they throw uh you know a crazy football touchdown or something like that um anyway but uh so for me it's kind of like that puts the moral choice onto sim and that Sim, the correct, quote-unquote, moral choice would be for him to sacrifice himself. Now, right. if he makes the, quote-unquote, incorrect decision, Archer and other people, like, what's what's their moral imperative? That's, yeah, that's quite a bit stickier. Um, and, you know, like what, what I want us to chat about in just a second here, about what's the greater, like, do, do the ends justify the means? What's the greater um, good here? Um, yeah, that, that gets even stickier, I think. Yeah. So what is the greater good here? <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I didn't know if you had more to say about that one. Uh, well, that, I, I do, but I think it comes into this. I, okay. I think what's so difficult here that they went into this without enough information. First of all, I don't think Archer realized the full extent of what he was doing. He, he, he wanted to save Trip. Yeah. Trip is his best friend. He wanted to save Trip. You know, and and I think at least in his mind he's willing to do anything to save Trip. See, I don't and, know yeah, I, I mean I mean I agree, but I don't I don't think Trip being his best friend factors in as much. They don't you, mention you think that. It's more about the duty I to, do. Or, yeah. I think and that's that, his... I think that's also a big big part of it too. Yeah. You know, People die. <laughs> sure. And that's, that's just a terrible part of life. That people die. And people die, like, all the time. And we should, 
we should have some readiness for people to die. And I'm not saying like, you know, somebody gets sick and we shouldn't try to save their lives. We also need to be able to make peace, though. That people that that people, even those very close to us will die and that that we have to, uh, you know, let's say Trip did die. Let's say there was no clone that they can make of him and do all this nonsense with. They still would have gone out and tried to complete their mission as best they could. And and Archer has that quote, you know, Earth needs the Enterprise. Enterprise needs Trip. Right. It, if he is the only person who can manage the engineering department, and sure, maybe he's a genius engineer. Sure. And it, it does seem that way from previous episodes. Maybe a, a prodigy of engineering. Okay. But there has to be other people on board that can also take up that mantle. I mean... Who can also manage the engineering of the ship if there's not that's a huge oversight oh it's true but but at the point like remember this is also experimental technology like to the humans there has never been a warp 5 engine in the history of humankind so trip like for him to be the only one who really like you know has extensively studied this this prototype engine kind of makes sense it you're right it's definitely i mean it's the same thing like i think about um Oh shoot! What's the guy's name? Werner somebody somebody who um, uh, I- I invented the Saturn V rocket for the Apollo missions. Um, who was like was he a member of the Nazi Party? He was something where it was it was part of Operation Paperclip where he like and so there's this whole like you know in hindsight thinking about like how like we actually used you know a, a, a Nazi sympathizer or whatever to get to the moon. Is that okay? And it's like, but, like, no one else had invented the Saturn V. Like, this guy literally, without him, I don't know that we get the Saturn V. Like, he had, he, he was the, 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 the genius behind it. So, there is some of that, that it could be that dependent on Trip. At the very least, the, like, if we're going to do a percentage or whatever, the chances that their missions succeed absolutely goes down not to zero but it goes down without their chief engineer they're they're Mm -hmm. they're now proceeding on this vital mission with one hand time behind their back but that that gets into the the moral question the greater good question that we're talking about what is it worth doing what is it worth what what means are allowed to uh, to get to that end, yes. to get to that possible end, and right. how how far how far are we allowed to go? Because I I, I think of um, I, you know we we keep coming back to Chidi, you know mm-hmm. from the Good Place. You, 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 morals are nothing if you don't if you don't stand up for them when it comes you know when the rubber meets the road, right? Right. Otherwise, it's just I mean then you're just making noises with your mouth. It's true. Well, and I guess, and, and yeah, you're right. That's because that's that was one moral uh, or, or question, I guess, for me that came out of this episode was: is there an ends so vital or so you know, um, yeah, important that um, any means will justify it? And I mean, this goes back to we talked about pale moonlight a couple of times. Is that 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 was the quandary there? 
is right. that um, is winning the Dominion War so important that we are willing to go? Like, how far are we willing to go? Are we willing to break our own moral code because this greater good is that much greater? Uh, right. And the challenge, I mean, like, so you think about, like, with uh, uh, um, the Dominion War, is that literally, like, hundreds of thousands of people were dying. Like, I don't remember what numbers they said, but it was just, like, I mean, like, literally Beta Zed was conquered by the Dominion. Like, one of these core planets, and talking about, like, Earth being next, and on and on and on. Uh, and, and and it just, the fact that, like, Cisco is faced with, we are losing this war and it doesn't look like there's a chance. There's, there's no indicators that we can win like that. That's a, that's a really tough spot to be in and to be now I have this opportunity where if we do these things, we could potentially win is losing so bad that we need to do whatever we can to, to avoid that, that fate. Um, and it seems like, like if I recall from season three of Enterprise, again, it's even more dire in some ways, where the understanding of their situation is this test probe or whatever the heck it was shows up at Earth. Wasn't that the finale of season two? Yeah. And slices a hole in Florida and kills seven million people. Uh, and apparently that was a test for a planet killer device which is going to destroy all of earth and kill everyone on it and so like those are the stakes if we fail in our mission every single person on earth dies so that's a pretty high you know stake and i and i think like again going back to the not only utilitarian but going back to um you know, finding a solution that doesn't kill anybody is our ultimate goal here. Because the ultimate wrong is letting people die. Uh, is that, you know, if I can trade one life for, you know, however many billion lives, like, that certainly seems to be a, like, it almost feels like the opposite letting one person live at the cost of five, six, seven billion lives. That seems like a moral choice, like a, a poor moral choice too, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's almost easier if you talk about it that way than your own morality in the face of defeat. Hmm. You know that if you follow the morality that you set out for yourself that you believe is is even like god given mm -hmm. but you know that by following this you are going to be defeated do you still follow that morality or do you do you deny it to yeah. um to achieve victory and save people's lives maybe right right and well, that's yeah, that's really tough. It because, is because do you, do you do you damn your do you damn yourself to save others? You know. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, is that is that worth it? I don't know. Go, I, I going yeah, back I, to the, the 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 Nazi analogy that we've used from from oh, Good Place good. or whatever. I'm glad we got. To oh, Nazi. oh yeah. They've if, if this is not the first time they've come up, then uh, you know we failed. Uh, 
But, you know, a Nazi bangs on your door and you don't believe in lying. And they say, are there any Jews here? And you say yes. Now, statistically speaking, you have probably condemned those Jews to death. But you have held your own morality by not lying. Uh, and again, Kant would say, well, because I think the challenge, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, I have not read Immanuel Kant. Like most of what I know about him is from the show The Good Place. Uh, but from what I understand, he would say the lesser wrong is those people dying. The greater wrong is robbing that Nazi of their moral choice. Is that so? Because, like, for you, uh, and I mean, I don't want to presume, but it sounds like the ultimate wrong, the ultimate negative consequence is death. Is that resulting in the death of individuals or speed or whatever? That's the ultimate wrong to be avoided. And so, if we can make a moral choice that does not result in death, that is going to be the best, like, that's going to be the best solution. Doing a moral choice that results in death is is a is a poor moral choice. Right, um, would be how I would interpret like the conversations we've had. Yeah, I I I, I think that's a good sum up. I I I think that in in that kind of case, it is that's a that's a tough situation to be in. I right. I don't think lying's a good thing. Right, but I to avoid death, people is though. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Well, and then so then because then the challenge becomes then if if your choice is between less death or more death, then you would assume that then then the anti-death choice (laughs) would be (laughs) less death is preferable. If I can kill one person to save five billion, that is a preferable moral choice. That's where things get get dicey. Hmm. I, I think that lying um, is a moral gray area hmm. a lot of times. Um, it, it, at, at least it is a, a lesser sin, you know? Hmm. I think when you take away somebody's life uh, with purpose to do that, even if they are a bad person, I think that is a... Uh, that is not something to ever be taken lightly. For example, like the death penalty. Yep. You know, that that's that's the that's the moral justification behind the death penalty, right? Like we are going to kill this person. And there's there's multiple reasons for it. But but I think the one that is the most convincing is we're going to kill this person because they are a danger to mm-hmm. society. Right. That everybody around them will be safer now that they are dead. Right. That because the problem with that argument, I guess, is that what's the difference in that than in, in lifetime incarceration? There's still not a danger anymore if they're locked away. Um, but it seems like I think maybe the more more uh, relevant or whatever uh, argument is this is a deterrent. Is that if people know that the consequence of what they're doing is death, then they won't do it and that will save lives. So either way, the idea is by killing this person, we are saving other lives. And I think that's, that takes away every time you kill somebody. I mean, even anytime you, you lock them up in a, in a uh, punishment kind of way, Mm -hmm. you take away their chance at, at redemption. Right. 
no matter how like bad they are. Um, I was reading, oh shoot, what book was it? You know, it might have been that that book I just mentioned, Wayward. Yeah. And in it, the two characters are having kind of a philosophical discussion. And one of them says, you know, you always hear this idea of going back and would you go back and kill baby Hitler? Right. But nobody ever talks about, nobody ever says, would you go back and love baby Hitler? Right. Would you take the would you take baby Hitler and care for him and give him the kind of like love and support that he would need to not turn into a a psychopath, right? Would you would you be there for him? Would you be there to to love him and to um I don't know, care about his art? You know, <laughs> to, to uh, support him in that, to give him encouragement, to teach him the right ways. You know, the, we see killing. This is this is part of the problem of society today is we see death as a solution to a problem. Right. When death is always, always a failure. That the, it, there is no time when the when killing somebody is not a failure. That mm. we this is the only solution that we could come up with. And that's a failure of imagination. And it's a failure of ourselves following, I think, what, what God has set out for us. That life is important. You know, God is a God of life, not yeah. of death. There's the challenge of the, um, like, the big sin, little sin is what I always like to refer to it as. Uh, that lying is a little sin, whereas killing is a big sin. And if we do a little sin, well, that's not great, but it's no big sin. And that's some, you know, and I've heard plenty of, you know, justification about like, well... It's not like I've killed anybody. And it's just like as a justification for all of the little wrongs that we have done. Uh, and I do wonder, like, my guess is the vast majority of mankind, for right or for wrong, would agree with that. Is that I don't know, you would not find many people outside of, like, Cheaty that would think that um, killing someone is on par with lying. Um, but I do wonder, like, I don't know. I, I just, I wonder about one, where do we get that? Where, where, where did like, why is that our almost universal understanding that this is, this is really wrong. And this is just a little wrong. Where did we get that moral, um, grading system? And that, that's my thought too, like coming from a spiritual background. I don't know that Jesus sees death as the ultimate wrong or the ultimate like consequence to be avoided like personally i i feel like that's that's kind of there are worse things that can happen to you than dying um is is for me at least the somewhat of my understanding of the christian message um again do does the majority of at least america agree with that probably not i think i think a lot of people do view death as the ultimate negative consequence um because because you know in our world and again that goes back to the christian message the christian message is that death is not 
the the ultimate power in the universe um mm-hmm. and the reason that message needs to be said is because the rest of us think that it is is that that's the that's the ultimate consequence is that we could die and the you know the the motivating factor of our entire lives is that we are going to die um and that we need to do these things to either avoid death or to um do it before we die and um yeah i don't know again in this episode, do they view it that way? No, of course not. They they definitely view death as a, as a really big deal. That's why we're trying to do everything we can to avoid um, trip dying. Um, but again, I think it's less because uh, we really really like trip, and more because of his. Um, yeah, we need him to accomplish this it's mission. Utility. Exactly, exactly, and that's and that's a. Ch- I mean, that's that's a whole nother. You know that that whole is. Is our most important value, like uh, our contribution? You know, is that that that's, right. that's the reason? Uh, you know, because from that perspective, and they don't say this, but from a certain perspective, one could say Trip is more valuable than Sim. Period. Well, so, you said that at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, because uh, I think that's that that is the perspective. Uh, that's yeah. not stated, but that's, I think that's the motivation for what Archer is doing. Yeah. I mean, it's just understood that that's built into the philosophy. I think of, I, I was going to say this episode, but I think it's built into the philosophy of Western culture. Hmm. Which is funny because like that feels, that feels like a capitalist perspective of communism is that we are just numbers that are designated by our function um and yet i would say capital and that's the that's one of the digs i think that capitalists have on communism uh is that that's that's your only um um identity is that you are what you produce period um and we all are about the same is that you you are not any more valuable than me because uh um we're all just producers and and you've you you know it, you your your job is to produce um whereas i would say like my i guess dig on on capitalism uh is that capitalism is somewhat the same but is just your value is your production and the more important quote unquote your what you produce is the more valued you are by right. our system and the more money that you make and CEOs are more valuable humans than um, you know McDonald's cashiers or whatever right so trip is is more valuable to to the enterprise than sim right. is right and i there is some rationale for that yeah Though again, it, it is it is in the context of because we have this mission to accomplish. If this was season right. one, where it's just like, hey, it'd be really annoying if we lost our chief engineer. This is a little bit different conversation. Uh, we could have done this episode in season one, but the fact that they're doing it in season three, uh, again, does kind of uh, up the stakes some. Yeah, it, yeah, it it does it, it makes that more uh more pressing on them right but i don't know i i mean i have to sit with this a little bit Hmm. it it does not make me feel good yeah 
judging people by their their output oh sure 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 and 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 well because now there's the other factor which we don't have a whole lot of time to get into but just to kind of touch on uh because which was interesting you mentioned earlier uh which i i think i would push back on where at the very least because you said what did you say everyone or i don't think anyone or something like that would argue or disagree with using a pig heart to save a human like i don't think that's true i think there are plenty of people who do disagree that that is morally okay um because one thing that like uh i felt that and and i don't think you're alone in this but is that um your perspective i would say is that you you have a, a a higher value on i guess what we call sentient life than non-sentient life and that sacrificing a non-sentient life like a pig or something like that in order to save a sentient life is a is is a is a moral not only maybe a moral acceptability is like morally correct no brainer okay So now the challenge then, and you, I think you already said this, the challenge is not so much that we're sacrificing Sim, it's that Sim has shown himself to be sentient. Right. So and if he would have remained... That's the part that makes it difficult. Mm-hmm. So it's almost that question of like, and I was even thinking this, why didn't they just leave him comatose? Why Why bother developing his brain? I mean, and they could have talked about, like, they need his brain tissue to be active or I don't know. But, like, why Why even have him gain consciousness at all? Couldn't they have yeah, just... Yeah, why is she reading to this kid? Yes, yes. Why are they naming him? And and that, that part, you know, even Archer, you know, has a face of, like, yes. mm, I don't think we should be doing this. Right, but he didn't actually say anything, which I thought yeah. a line would have helped there, but... Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, but some of that is maybe just like his moral wrestling, I suppose. Um, because let's 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 put this out like you know, cloning is a thing. Yep. And we, I, I, I'm fairly sure that we do have the the technology to clone people, and it's probably already happened because things that can happen usually happen. Mm. But the um. Let's say that that we were able to let instead of making a full clone, we make like a uh, somebody's somebody's sick. Somebody has a traumatic brain injury and we're able to take some stem cells and like grow a a head for them. Yes. And in that head is the brain. You know, they take part of that brain and they put it into the person. I don't think a lot of people would. I think some people would have a problem with that. Yes. For sure. I I think that my my feeling is the majority of people would be that's kind of weird. Yeah. But it seems like it's okay. Hmm. But if you cloned a whole person, like there was that movie that came out oh probably 15 years ago where there was that that whole village yeah, of people island. who had been cloned just for their their body parts. Yeah, what movie was that? The island. The island. Yeah, there there you go. Yeah, definitely like one of the top ten best movies ever made. Clearly, clearly. From yeah. what I heard, it had a good premise and it didn't didn't carry it. Yeah, out. I, 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 it, I don't but... think I ever saw it. Oh, okay, well but there you it's, go. Um, but people would have a problem with that. That would sure. be an ethical problem because those people are alive. They're right. people. Well, and that's, I guess, but that's, so it's like, where does that, 
where does that line like where do we draw that line i guess and i mean someone okay okay because like because for me so let's say we clone uh, uh a pig we clone a pig that has a human heart or something like that so we are creating a life for the exclusive purpose of sustaining another life like that's okay we can create whatever the heck we want as long as it doesn't as long as it's not too smart is that you where know, we are i mean yeah kind of because hmm. you you know i'm i'm a vegetarian but you're not correct you you are fine with people growing living things living creatures and uh, pigs and cows and chickens that are grown ex- especially for the purpose of feeding you right. to keeping you alive and in brutal brutal circumstances just totally mechanized circumstances and you're fine with that well there's there's i would i would say there's a little bit of a difference between fine with that and um i have not changed my lifestyle in accordance to like or or maybe not unfine with it enough to change my lifestyle. Okay, maybe it was wrong to call you out specifically. No, 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 and I mean because I, like, I think that's the way a general, lot of people are. I think a yeah, lot of people is fine with that. Mm, see again, I don't know that it's always fine. I mean, like that was always the thing. Like too, you know, uh, what was it? Anna Nicole Smith was doing all of her things about chicken farms, and other people were too as well. She was just kind of the celebrity that was. Um, talking about how horrible the conditions were i think a lot of people were not okay with that um were they gonna stop eating chicken no but they were kind of like oh but i don't like this you know same thing i mean even like just the concept of eggs like hey we're going to have chickens uh produce non-viable uh offspring or whatever like non-fertilized offspring that so we can consume them and we're going to make them make as many as possible so that we can just keep or cows, you know, we're going to keep them in a pregnant light state so that we can milk them and drink their milk because we want to consume that. Are we okay with that? I think it's more of a like, uh, I'd rather not think about that uh, is, is probably how a lot of us, you know, do it for right or for wrong. But see, that's that's the problem is it. You know, if we're growing pigs with human hearts in them, uh-huh. especially for the ability to transplant that heart into a person, that's actually, I think that's a more morally justifiable situation than growing a pig who's super fat and who, you know, can't move around much because that will toughen up the meat too much so that we can kill it and eat it. Um, I mean, I, I feel like it's very similar. There's a lot of things that you can eat. There's sure. a lot of things that you can eat. A heart is, I mean, that's a lot harder to come by. Hmm. You can't replace a heart with a lentil. Oh, and with that, Lord. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> talked, you've thrown out your lentil thing. Um, yeah, no, no, and, and I agree. Like, I, I don't know, for me personally, I think I think you're right. There's a lot of similarity there. Um I find it well, and I guess I find it curious for you, like you said, having no problem or even saying there is no moral quandary in killing a pig to take its heart as opposed to killing a pig to take its meat. Like for me, those feel very similar and they don't feel to me, they don't feel black and white. 
I, I don't know quite how I feel about that. Um, but that, that I, I, because I do eat meat, I don't know that I'm, uh, like fine with all forms of, you know, animal harvesting or, or, or something along those lines. Um, personally, I do feel like as a Christ follower, you know, we're supposed to be caretakers of this world. Uh, and mm-hmm. I mean, there are biblical passages, you know, kill and eat is, you know, what, what, uh, yep. Peter is told and all of that. Um, but we are supposed to be the shepherds of this entire world, I believe. Uh, and so are we shepherding it well when we're growing these creatures so that we can eat them? Is that, is that being its caretaker or is that, you know, misusing it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I, I, I'm, this is back to the wrestling. Like this is something that I, I know I wrestle with that. I don't, I don't know that I have a clear um, uh, black and white moral imperative for myself. Yeah. So I guess I'm in favor of human hearts and pigs. Yes. And not eating them. Yes. Not eating them. <laughs> uh, and, and, and no, uh, uh, leave anybody who's, who's, uh, uh, too smart, uh, leave, leave them alone. Right. Yes. Yes. A smart <laughs> no. pig. Now. Oh, we, we, you get Wilbur from, uh, Charlotte's web that can talk to you. Hang on a second. <laughs> I don't care what your heart is doing. Yeah. But, in in that book, isn't it the spider who talks? They all talk. I can act. Well, okay. I guess it's the musical. I can actually factually talk. It's just all PETA propaganda. Yes, probably, uh, <laughs> probably. Um, but you ask, you know, where is the line? Yeah, and I think I think they did a good job in this episode of drawing towing that line. A really good line. Yeah, because Challenging with line. a fifteen day lifespan. Yep. It really makes you think. Yep. yep. And and I think I think that's uh, that's why this episode, you know, at the beginning of of our episode here, we asked, why do we talk about this episode so much? It's because they drew a really good line. Right. Well, and I think like they you mentioned, really it's it's a very obvious moral quandary. It's not one where it's just like, let's see if we can find a moral question in this episode. Like this, it is the episode. Like it's very obvious that this is the question that we're supposed to wrestle with and so we have my friends we have wrestled and hopefully you have wrestled along with us um uh, i think i don't know that we landed anywhere but i think we are going to uh call it there to continue to wrestle um off the air as well um come and join us next episode though because we are going to uh step boldly boldly bravely a little apprehensively for myself uh (laughs) into discovery so i don't know what we will find uh again i've only been through half of season one i'm not quite sure where the rest of it's going to go so uh but i am looking forward to it so um and my computer discovery yes a discovery of discovery my computer's about to die. So with that, uh, my friends, again, I look forward to talking with you. We look forward to talking with you in our next episode. But for this episode, my friends, we shall say, live long and prosper. Peace and long life. <laughs>